0: And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 171, and today I am joined by filmmaker Sean Cisterna. You might know Sean from his films like Kiss and Cry and Full Out, both of which I think you can find on Netflix in most countries. But Sean also has a brand new movie out called From the Vine, which you can check out on VOD services pretty much now and we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch Big Night. I'm Jeremy, and I have seen this film on an airplane a long time ago, so I've always wanted to watch it kind of properly, not in the middle of turbulence. And with me tonight is...
1: Sean Cisterna. Hello. I'm a filmmaker, a friend of Jeremy's. Uh, we kind of... Grown up in the industry together, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You're a spring chicken yourself, kind of. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And you've never seen this movie, right? I've never seen this movie. No, I remember my dad renting this film. Uh, I, I remember sending him to the video store to get Last Action Hero or some Schwarzenegger movie or something like that. And he came home with this video box that said Big Night. and I It sounded know, I looked, exciting! I know, it was ridiculous. I looked at the box and said Tony Shaloub and who else is that? Stanley Stanley Tucci. Tucci where the fuck is Arnold Schwarzenegger? And I threw that box down and, and went upstairs and slammed the door. And to this day, I haven't spoken to my father. Wow. Uh, yeah. Harsh. I did not get my last action hero when I was 14 years old.
2: So you, if you, if you like this movie, you're going to owe him a really big apology. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll start talking <laughs> After this, the funny thing is knowing you and knowing the kind of films you make, uh, it's, it's, I can't wait to talk after because I'm kind of, it's surprising to me that this film wouldn't have been one that, if your dad brought it home, you would have been like, "Oh, that looks interesting too." But I guess, like as a kid of the '90s, this is early '90s, right?
1: I believe so. Yeah, or mid '90s. Um, I want to say it's '92, but I could be wrong. It's like it's it's right in the middle
0: of like the like the birth of '90s in American indie cinema. Yeah,
1: not my thing when I was fourteen, but yep. When this opportunity came up to, to talk to you, like I was looking for a film with a, an Italian connection, we just made a, a movie called From the Vine, which is shot in Italy, so I was looking for a connection. And then last year I was at a film festival called Devour, and they were showing a retrospective of it. But um, my film was the opening night film, and this was playing the next night, but I had to hop on a plane to go to Spain. So this- live, uh, life, Sean. Chef uh, Lydia Bastianich came in and presented Big Night. She wanted to show it, and I was really uh, upset that I couldn't make the screening because she was going to have a big discussion about the film and then cook for the audience. Uh, oh, dude, that would that. have been the way to see that movie. No, and I'm so disappointed when I had to, to go to this other festival. But this, um, I, I hate, uh, spoiler alert, this is going to be a much
0: shittier experience than whatever that would have been. <laughs> okay. Regardless how you feel about the movie, I promise you I will not live up to whatever you had in mind for that
2: that experience of watching this movie. So I apologize well, in advance. And
1: I haven't even looked at a trailer. I don't know if this is a drama, a comedy, or a mix of both, or or what well, I to mean to your
2: shock, you're gonna find out it's a big action movie. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> and Arnold Schwarzenegger is
2: a <laughs> Yeah, he has a cameo. It's really it's surprising. Uh, yeah, he plays it. a spaghetti noodle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he plays a big meatball uh (laughs) so you don't know you know the cast though
1: I just remember yeah Tony Shaloub did not pique my interest when I was 14 does now of course oh god
2: I love him so much
1: yeah Tucci I mean yeah I've seen him in a bunch of stuff since becoming a a cinephile but uh no I just like I said it just it's one of those black hole films that I have to rectify now
2: yeah I don't want to like build it up at all but I have a feeling, like I, I feel like this is the kind of film that's in your wheelhouse. Okay. Especially okay. having just made the kind of film you made, like I feel like
0: uh, you, you're going to get a kick out of it, and you're going to call, be calling your dad tomorrow. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, and uh, I, someone, I mentioned it to someone today. They said, "Don't watch the film on an empty stomach." Is that true? Oh. That-
2: yeah, probably. It's gonna. I mean, it's about without spoiling anything. Food is involved and like really tasty Italian food. Uh yeah. Watching this film on an empty stomach would be torture, probably.
1: Okay. Wow. I'm supremely excited then. Yeah. Can't Are be- you hungry? Are you gonna be okay? I uh I'm gonna like put some popcorn on. That's the best I can do with uh, the short amount of time that we have to watch the film and then chat about it afterwards. But,
2: yeah, maybe uh, sprinkle it with some like cheese and some oregano just to like give yeah. it that Italian kick and you'll and you'll be good. Yeah. Schwarzenegger meatball. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, I think we're in a great position. We should just dive in.
1: Done. I have my fork and knife ready. Let's do it. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we just finished. Yeah, and I I I get this film, man. It's like uh this it's a film about like these this artists struggle, you know, it's, it's, this is the, these chefs are like artists, right. And it's like, how we could all be better appreciated if only people showed up and experienced our work. Right. Yeah. I'm and sure goddess.
2: Should... Yeah. 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 The and idea the... that it's like, there's this guy, um, Tony Shalhoub's character who Primo is probably, you know, maybe the best Italian chef in the city, but until he's discovered, does it matter? You know, is, is he going to hovel away and just be buried there? And then you've got the guy across the street who they know, who just serves like what everyone's expecting and wants, isn't challenging anyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a me- I mean, as an independent film, it's a metaphor for kind of what we do as well.
1: Oh, man. We're all just waiting for like an audience to show up. And sometimes they never do. And it's that's the most frustrating part of what we have been assigned to in our lives isn't it it's like we sometimes it's just our friends in the theater our families and in those early days we're struggling just to find um someone to come appreciate all our hard work and that's what i that's what i you know resonated with with this uh this film for sure
2: yeah that whole second half is just that party they're having with friends and loved ones and this is like is anyone else going to show up is this going to be the night that makes my, my career? Or is this going to be another great night?
1: Yeah. I mean, but ultimately like, you know, the film itself is, um, what I love about like like a food film is that it's like a metaphor for, for other films, you know, it's like uh, um, a, a recipe is followed. It's like, um, and, and when it's followed to a tea, then you create this beautiful uh, scrumptious tasty meal. But in, in film, it's the same way. It's like, you're combining music and cinematography and production design to make this wonderful feast of the senses, right? So mm-hmm. I love the, the parallel between food and, and film.
2: Did it make you hungry?
1: Oh, so, yeah. I had, a, I had a Caesar salad while I watched it and now I'm enjoying a glass of wine. So it's, uh, it's all good. Nice. And some of those things I've never seen before. I've never seen that timpano meal that they made that, that bread infused uh, thing with meat and pasta and
2: egg. and it was Yeah. Great. It's almost like a pasta pie, right? They slice yeah. into it. Yeah. It's, it looks like, I mean, you see them making it. So it's like this combination of, uh, uh, like fettuccine, not fettuccine, the roll, the roll, the uh,
1: yeah,
2: penne, penne, penne and, uh, and meatballs are in there. Some eggs. I think they have, ch- I mean, I don't even eat any of that kind of stuff anymore. And I was sitting there going, Oh fuck. I would I would take a bite of that.
1: But dude, going back to the beginning, like I as soon as the, the credits came on, like Mini Driver, Ian Holm, Isabella Rossellini. I had no idea these people were in this movie. It's
2: yeah. crazy. Yeah, um, Iliana Douglas.
1: Yeah, uh Mark Anthony.
2: <laughs> yeah, I forgot that Tucci and, and Campbell Scott co-directed it.
1: That's insane. Like I and, had no idea.
2: And Stucci was. co-wrote. Yeah. So it was kind of Stucci's brainchild. And Oliver Platt is a producer on the film.
1: No way. Really? No. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy all the talent that went into this, uh, into this production. Yeah. When Campbell Scott came, <laughs> and he showed up as in a cameo and he, as a Cadillac salesman. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It had the feeling like a bunch of friends got together and created this, uh, this, this, you know, piece of film. So it was, uh, I felt like I wanted to hang out with them as well. It feels like a hangout movie, right?
2: Yeah, there or was
1: just, a, just want to hang out with the characters and, and enjoy a night with, and that's what this sort of felt like.
2: There's a story. I don't know the specific ending. Uh, this is easily Google. There, there was a bigger company that was going to buy the movie uh, and put it out wide, but they wouldn't change the ending.
1: Right. Okay.
2: Huh. Uh, so it's kind of like it. It remind. It's, it makes me think of like. The movie, We were just talking before the metaphors in the movie and the idea that it's like, just serve, uh, just give them the side of pasta. Just give yes. them the side of pasta and, and they'll be happy. And it's like, fuck you, I'm making risotto. This yeah. is not the side of pasta. Is, and, that's, and and especially that last shot is risotto. It's like, it takes this time. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's just going to be this long shot of a guy scrambling an egg and then eating it with his brother.
1: Yeah, it parallels like to the the beginning as well. We start off in this wide shot in the kitchen, and the action just kind of plays out with you know there's a sink on the fritz and dueling brothers, and one requests to put more more salt in the meal. So it's um, I don't know. It just played out in these in these you know seemingly boring wide shots, and uh, um, it. it it hearkened back at the end for sure when um the, the two brothers just sort of sat there in silence at the end and you know, it was a great parallel from beginning to the end.
2: Yeah. Uh and Ian Holm just passed away. I forgot Ian Holm passed away last month.
1: hmm Yeah. Yeah. So, it was odd awesome to see him in uh in an Italian playing an Italian character when we know him as this, you know, tiny little uh, British British actor, but uh he did a good job. He's great Italian heritage like his I was struggling to to picture him as an Italian but I uh, you know his accent was pretty decent and uh, he had he had the mannerisms that um, any you know, older Italian guy would have for sure
2: and then ends up being the ultimate douchebag at the end of the movie yeah.
1: yeah it's sad
2: well that scene with him and Tucci I mean the, the whole like last 30 minutes of this movie is just is perfect yeah. for me yeah. anyway
1: Yeah. I mean, even, I don't know what I loved about the beginning is that, you know, they, it played out in these wide shots and, and, um, and Tucci was there in the restaurant and, you know, you just see the whole uh, the empty tables and just the single character in the frame. And just, it was such a painful um, shot to see that, you know, this restaurant could have been filled with so many people and it's just him like fixing the table slightly and, having a drink by himself and he goes out and fixes the plant outside and it's all this all these um, wide shots where just h- him in the frame just trying to perfect something that you know no one's gonna come and appreciate later
2: yeah the one couple comes in and uh, oh you got greens on your movie <laughs> just the, the whole yeah. awkward meal they're having together and then they they shut down and then and then when uh, tuju goes to you know Holmes restaurant. He's guiding, gilding him. He's like, oh, did you run out of food? Is that why he closed early? So like, oh, he knows.
1: Just a jab. Just a jab. It's like when you sell out a film, Jeremy, and I have to sit and, oh, I feel open Hey and you're, <laughs> and you're basking in all this glory and I'm stuck trying to lure friends into my theater. <laughs>
2: well, it's COVID right now. No, no, no one's being lured in anything. Um, so what did you think was going to happen?
1: um i I don't know i i suppose i thought of it more as a um, just a a story of this success you know the the, these dueling brother these i thought it was a dueling brother sort of thing where they uh upstage each other in 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 meal creation that's what i thought this movie was going to be about but then it turned out to be something totally different you know yeah obviously they're dueling brothers with their rivals with the restaurant across the street and um, but I love that they had to come together to create this one meal in hopes that Louis Prima, this, um, this famous American singer, would come and, and, uh, and um, give this renaissance or this new life to the, to the restaurant if he, if he had shown up. And this reviewer was going to write a great story about their restaurant and it would, it would catapult them into, into success. But the, uh, the big night never, never came to fruition
2: no, I mean the other ending that would have worked for me is that Prima does show up, and it still doesn't change anything because that's life too, right? We all think that that one person's going to show up and it's going to make a difference, and yeah. and and it's just I think there's so much of that in art. We just think we just need that one thing to happen and it'll change everything. Yeah. I just need to make this one. Pro- Once I make my first film, it's over. It's like people, you know, I'm going to be launched into stardom. And it's, I think we constantly, and that's how, we, but that's also how we keep doing it. We keep on rolling the boulder up the hill because we believe that the next piece of something will connect in a way that hopefully mm-hmm. was, and that's, and for me, that's all I, at this point in my career now, I'm just like, that's all I'm looking for is like, if projects connect with people, I'm thrilled and happy. It's like, I, you know, my expectations for you know, things launching into stardom and, and all this kind of shit is like, I don't know if I believe in any of that anymore. Uh What I want ultimately is kind of what I think Tony Shalhoub's character is doing in that kitchen when every time Tucci comes back in the last act and he's just like looking at his face and is like, do they love it? Are they happy? And it's like, and that's all he needs, right? He just wants people to like what he's making and he doesn't care... If Louis Prima is like some famous guy, he wants, he wants the, you know, the sewer right on the street to like the food.
1: Yeah. And the flower lady, he, just, he was, so happy just to have her in the kitchen and having this orgasmic reaction to, uh, to his meal. Yeah. You know, it's sweet to see, uh, you know, he spends the first like 35 minutes of the film with a sour expression on his face. But when he first, when we first see him together with Alice and Janney is, is that who he, yeah. That's who it was. Allison Janney. Um, yeah, his his whole expression. Oh, of yes, the Allison
2: Janney. I think I said Lillian and Douglas. It's Allison yeah, Janney. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and when he sees her for the first time, it's like he's he's got this big, you know, hefty smile on his face after like 30 minutes of just this intense scowl and disdain for customers. That's um, just it.
2: Yeah. It's, and it's, it's Tucci's movie in the sense that it's like it's about him... You know, coming around and, and and becoming comfortable with not becoming Ian home, I guess, essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Schubert is just this frustrated artist, and you know he's when he's well, he not. Knows uh, who, he knows he's asking who he is. His not to make risotto anymore, like he suggests, uh, like hot dogs. He
2: wants hot make, dog. I make you a hot dog.
1: Yeah, he just throws it all away. But it's like you know when you, you get those notes from a, a broadcaster or some some reader outside the industry who doesn't know s- script writing necessarily as well as you might it's like that's what it feels like when that woman is asking for you know meatballs on her spaghetti or you know it feels like you're getting notes from a an untrusted source where they ask you to insert like a useless subplot or character or dumb joke, and you just gotta have to sit there and let it digest and shake your head and decide you know. Do you give them spaghetti and meatballs or do you stick true to yourself, right?
2: Yeah, especially when it's like, well, there's already starch in the, you're, you just ate a starch. You don't want more starch. Trust me. I say, like, I just fed you starch. <laughs> that scene already exists. You're just not seeing it.
1: But what do you do? Like, do you do you give the people what they want or do you, I don't know. I, I, bel- it's like,
2: here, I think it's like, I don't think the answer is that you do what Shalub is suggesting, where they, like, I want to go ahead and talk to her. And explain because I think I've also been in that room in like a feedback screening with another filmmaker where they're explaining to me why their movie works. And I'm saying, that's great. But if you, are you going to be here at every screening to explain to the audience why they have problems with their movie and why they don't actually have problems? Because you're not. So if the movie doesn't work, it works or it doesn't work. And I think for this, the idea isn't you don't give someone. There's, I mean, I think the answer is somewhere in the middle where it's like nobody ever wants what they want. They want what they think they want, but when you offer them in a way they're not expecting it, that's the thing. I think the trick is like when you're interested, it's not far off what Ian Holmes suggests where he's like, Ian Holm is basically saying, "Is like, just people want a steak, just give them the steak, yeah. and then once you've earned that, then you can give
1: them something different." Oh, that was exactly his yeah his quote exactly. Give the people what they want, and then later you can give them what you want.
2: Yeah, and I think. And I, yeah, and I don't think it's as far as that. I think this the idea of being like, it's like you've got to package trick people in a way. In, in the packaging things in a way that they think they know what they're getting, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when they finally experience it, they're like, Oh, I, that's not what I was thinking, but it was better because my expectations were this or that. And I know that's been my favorite reactions. I've gotten to some of my work, whereas it's just like, they go and they walked in going, Oh, I thought it was just going to be a big dumb this. And it's mm-hmm. like, actually it had a, a ton of heart or had a ton of whatever it was. And I'm like, great. That's what I wanted you. I wanted you to walk in the door thinking it was just going to be a big dick and fart joke movie or just a time travel movie. And you actually walk out going, Oh no, it's actually about like, whatever.
1: Yeah. But you trick people like you, like how to plan an orgy in a small town. It's like, you think you're going to walk into something like that. And then you do, you do trick them into feeling something emotional and, and you, you connect with the characters in a loving way. So yeah, I, maybe there's a, there's a, there's a technique to that or there's a skill to titling your film in a certain way. And then it becomes, you know, plays against the audience's expectations. Right. So.
2: I mean, that's what I am trying to do with each of my films is to try to like lure an audience in with a big concept and then yeah. trick them into like seeing something of themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's how I know if like an idea is interesting to me, if I, if it has a good hook, but then is rooted in something really honest for me. And then I assume that, it will be for others too. There you go. There, there's the secret to my recipe. <laughs>
1: that's a great. That's a great uh, piece of advice.
2: That's my Tim uh, Penny.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, um, that scene where uh, Pascal or Ian Holm had that that line about uh, "give them what you want" or "give them what they want," and then next time you can give them what you want. There was this one frame of him when they were. Uh, tucci and him were having a conversation but this this desk lamp was like halfway in, in the frame right and yeah it's, it's, what was that about i don't know because it's
2: not like and then the other shot the reverse on on tucci was like the the light was below him too yeah. it was like framing and it, it was weird about head,
1: you know? or something like that
2: but it's intentional because it's so specific and weird but you also look at it and go, well, nothing else in the movie is shot like this. I'm not quite sure what they're trying to say with these shots.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the significance of that choice. Is it just like um, Pascal was two-faced, maybe? Yeah, it's, I don't know. Reason I'm trying to
2: block so deli- Yeah, It's not clear. Again, it's one of those things where it's like you're you're – you're pulling me out of the movie in a way that's not terrible, but it's making me going, what is this shot for?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. So you don't have
1: the answer. I was hoping you'd have the answer, Jeremy.
2: No. I mean, this time watching, I was, they looked like a giant mustache. They had a big giant mustache on his face going all the way across.
1: Super Mario mustache. Okay. That was it.
2: I mean, the only thing I can see is that it's like, there's something between if I'm going to like, Force a metaphor on it, I would say that it's like there's something between tucci and what he wants, and there's an there's an obstacle in the way a barrier, uh, right? a barrier in the way uh of being this other guy like he can't quite see what he can't see clearly maybe is what it is
1: mm-hmm.
2: cause we yeah, can't see clearly I
1: I or something like that yeah, okay, but the
2: fact that it's only in one shot and there it isn't like echoed or cleared up later would be i mean that's what i would do i would if i was going to introduce something like that i would have like a a matching thing at the end that is different and shows the opposite of what i was doing there to try to distinguish it
1: yeah 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 that makes sense um, and what's with the was it Liev Schreiber he was like a glorified extra or something <laughs> yeah like,
2: like, I forgot he was in it until the
1: credits
2: yeah uh, and I couldn't remember who he was in the movie when I was thinking back
1: yeah he was like a doorman or a, 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 like Ian Holmes bouncer
2: yeah <laughs> you, of, mu- it must have yeah. been a blip because he was only in there for a second well this, this was I was looking it up and this was 96 Um, mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to think what his was his first big of thing? Big thing, the Day Trippers, the Greg Mottola film.
1: I don't know. I remember, remember him from the Hurricane, like Norman Jewison's film, um, but I don't remember the year that was that took place.
2: So it that must playing. have been after this, maybe not by much. Yeah, because he was yeah. also. I mean, I think one of the first movies that I remember, Leave Schreiber, and was Scream. He had like basically the smallest bit part in the first one as the. Okay. As a spoiler alert, as the person you th- are supposed to think is the potential killer, Cotton Weary, I think it was his name, uh, but, it, but it's such a small part, but then he has a bigger part in the subsequent movies. I love him. He's great.
1: Yeah, really cool face.
2: And, um, and, and, and a great actor, director, too. Do you ever see Everything's Illuminated?
1: He directed that?
2: He directed oh, that. That's cool. his movie.
1: Wow. wow, amazing. So much talent. So Canadian, like, is he Canadian or no? No. Oh, okay. Just assume that he was in the hurricane. He must be a Canadian guy.
2: No, I think he was just starting to rise up. I think he was, but he's never really, I mean, I guess he did the show that when he had his own series on Showtime, uh, but he never like catapulted into superstardom, but he's always one of those like great, super solid actors.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I also like, you know, in this film, the like the certain angles in the film are kind of, um, uh, I don't know, almost omniscient in the sense that they, the, the overhead shots of the food preparation, almost like it's like those tasty videos of today, how, you know, they teach recipes and, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, it's as if this film had some foreknowledge on how to produce content for the Food Network and right. Um, videos. Right, yeah.
2: I, I would watch Tony Schluke's characters uh, YouTube channel. I would yeah. subscribe.
1: Absolutely, no. It's it's almost like this film had like a foreshadowing effect on food culture, like today, like he,
2: selfie he, he, selfie culture. Yeah,
1: right. If this was made in the days of um, like Yelp or Instagram, like I mean, who wouldn't travel? You know, a hundred kilometers to get to like this authentic Italian restaurant experience and be the first to take a picture of it.
2: And yeah. Sort of, I guess yeah. to that point, I never thought about it until just now, until you said that, but I guess like the happy version of this movie is chef.
1: Right. Yeah. John
2: Favreau's movie. It's yeah. like where it's in these, so there's the like, disgruntled frustrated, like artistic chef. Uh, but his solution is to kind of get back to basics and just make sandwiches something simple and pure with his son,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, has a much happier ending. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver and Oliver Platt is also involved in yeah. that movie. Is
1: Oliver Platt in Ratatouille as well? It feels like a Ratatouille type movie too.
2: No, but his, that's his character in uh, in Chef is essentially the the guy the the critic Antoine yeah. something whatever it is yeah. in Ratatouille. Uh, yeah. Are you a cook? Are you do do you uh, are you a big cook?
1: Yeah, starting to. I, I love like trying out new recipes and and, uh, using ingredients I haven't used before. Our neighbors and I have this um, uh, international dinner night where we choose countries out of a hat and each one of us is responsible for a dish uh, prepared from that specific country. So we have a very sophisticated neighborhood here and where I live. And uh, yeah, it's cool to get together with these like-minded neighbors to create these awesome meals that you would never otherwise experience. So
2: what was the country that like, kind of scared you the most going into it
1: oh like um Uganda I think
2: and what'd you make
1: um I had to find like a Ugandan appetizer and it was a it was like a alligator piri piri so there's this wild game meat shop that had alligator and it was like a spiced and piri piri and followed a Ugandan recipe and it was yeah it turned out amazing but it was just something I would never have and I never will likely ever make again, but
2: yeah, yeah,
1: just the experience of going through that was kind of uh, yeah humbling.
2: You, I wouldn't. I guess you just Googled where to buy alligator meat.
1: Yeah, it's not easy to find. So. No,
2: I remember once I think it was Taste of the Danforth or something. There was one year where I don't know if it was the thing, but I remember being there and another festival where I saw it. They were having like kangaroo meat. Yeah. And it was the same summer. And I've never seen that since. But it was like I guess kangaroo meat was a thing a couple of years ago. That was desirable.
1: Huh, yeah, I found it at the um, St. Lawrence Market on occasion as well. Not, not that I'm a kangaroo connoisseur by any means, but I do see it on occasion there and wonder what one can do with kangaroo meat, but
2: yeah. <laughs> Recently, someone wondered what they could do with bat meat. And here we all are.
1: (laughs) True. True. I'm very happy big night did not uh, focus on bat cuisine. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no shit, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) What else? Yeah, I mean, what I really loved about uh, what you you pulled from this was, like, the metaphors in in filmmaking and whatnot. And it's like – and I hadn't – I don't know why. I didn't really think – I never thought about that with this movie. Even though it is huh. so steeped in that. Although it does, like, it is that. I love that it made you think of that, just that whole, like, putting all your eggs into one. Because it is, like, they're like, you see, t- t- you go to the bank and it's like, how much money is left? It's like 60 bucks, mm-hmm. right? And, straight. uh, yeah. And I mean, I think you, you get a sense of like, Shaloub's going to go back and go to his uncle's restaurant in Rome. Or maybe not. I mean, maybe, like, I think I always, guess i thought in previous viewings that that's what he does and tucci's gonna do something and we don't know yet but he's gonna be okay because he now he's kind of knows who he is as a person and what he's willing to put up with
1: yeah that's always in the in the background of the the film like i always thought that tucci would make that or the that uh, shulu would make that decision but then there's this there's this one scene maybe halfway through and um The two brothers discuss how important this big night is going to be when Louis Prima shows up and how everything rests on this one night and their future, everything they came to America to do um, is is put on the line and Primo, you know, Shaloub gets the spark and he's going to rise to the occasion and that's when the flowers come in and I I feel like the directors put all this color in the kitchen afterwards, like this otherwise bland kitchen from the beginning which is all... Earth tone and brown and, and silver suddenly gets filled with flowers and red sauce and basil and it's like even though the production design tells us that this this kitchen is coming to life, which was uh, really cool to to i, I don't know i, I felt it, I felt the food um, as, a, as a metaphor for this new life uh, you know coming through the visually through the frame.
2: Yeah, I mean it's when the brothers really start to work together for the first time. They're literally rolling past the side by side. Yeah. You know, it's uh it's that whole sequence is great. I remember I forgot I forgot about this until I was watching it again. But like in another lifetime ago, I was cutting a, a corporate reel or corporate commercial or something for East side Mario's. And mm-hmm. and so they had me like used a bunch of footage from like this and Moonstruck and a bunch of other like Italian uh yeah. food. And it was and this was the one where Mike had the I think the best food porn.
1: Yeah. <laughs> nice, yeah, it's true. Um what was that one shot? Did you notice the one of the chefs was on fire and just runs out of the restaurant and Ian Holmes chasing him out? There's a sh one shot, this yes. one shot of fire. And just, you know, Tucci's character kind of waves to Pascal Ian Holm as, he, uh, as the chef runs out on fire. So I don't know what that was meant to be. Is Ian Holm like a gangster and, and just or treats his employees with a great disrespect and lights them on fire?
2: And then the whole thing is just kind of waved off. Yeah, I remember that happening and going, what the fuck is that again? And then yeah. the movie just continues on and I forgot about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's some like shocking moments like that. I remember. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Primo yells "rape, rape!" at the top of his lungs, and it's like this. It's the rape of cuisine at that place. Um, so all these shocking moments when uh, at, the, often at the behest that he has to his um, relationship with food. You know, if someone disrespects food, he will call him out on at the greatest of uh, lengths. Right? He'll <laughs> shout at the top of his lungs or called him bitches and it's it was really awkward to see how how passionate he was about food and how far he would go to justify his reasoning
2: yeah and i love too like that that scene when when he goes to the flower shop how awkward he is because he's clearly trying to like get a sense of whether or not she's avail- available that evening and, and was he going to ask her out and he, he doesn't because he's an awkward fucking man but then when he's in the kitchen with her his confidence is there right yeah, and he's you know he's sticking his finger in her mouth and 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 uh, and talking about how he's going to take her somewhere. You know, he's a totally different man, and that's just because he's got he's in his he's in his element right now.
1: Yeah, and even before she get comes into the kitchen, like I think she's in the lobby at the time or in the dining room, and someone says the flower lady has just shown up, and then Primo he freshens up by chewing a piece of mint and then using the lid of a pan to check his appearance. And I love when those little details like come organically from the uh the themes in the film right like if someone chewed a piece of mint and checked their appearance in a dishpan in a you know in, in an avengers movie it wouldn't make sense but in this film it, it does it comes organically from the script so it's great to have those little details like that
2: yeah i've chewed mint before to freshen my breath up yeah yeah we have, we grow mint so it's like i've uh I've, I've i've done that trick it uh i don't know
1: if it's actually successful it tastes nice yeah that's your uh, that's your dentine. That's your trident.
2: Yeah, I will tell you on a separate note, like there's no such thing. There's nothing like mint tea where it's just like you just literally grab some mint, like, squeeze in your hand to get the oils going and drop yeah. it in hot water and let it go. It's kind of, it's it's a whole other level of, if, if, if you listeners, if all you've ever done is like use bags of dried mint leaves, you're missing out. Go to the grocery store, buy some mint herbs, and uh and treat yourself to a real mint tea
1: it's so good you have to kill
2: yourself the first time i did that for my kids my son was like that's not tea it's not like dried up in a bag i was like all tea is is hot water like boiled in something it can be anything anything can be tea he thought it had to be like dried boring things like no anything can be tea. my friend opening up our children's world's
1: so one of the quotes in the film is to eat good food is to be close to God. Right. And, and what, what does that mean to you? What is, what is the ultimate food that uh, brings you closer to God? Oh, I almost want to say
2: it's something like, I think of when I think of that, I think of like comfort food. Yeah. I think of a food for my youth, which is like not kind of stuff I eat anymore, but like, for me, it was always like my favorite meal as a kid was spaghetti. Mm. You know? So I think whenever I have, uh, and it's funny, like my wife didn't really grow up. My wife and I have, our had, had very different tastes, um, and so she grew up with like stir fries and all that kind of stuff. And so I like all that kind. Of, I like I, I love a little bit of everything, uh, but for me, it's like pasta is comfort food because that's what I grew mm-hmm. up loving, and my my mom would make. And I loved like her your know, me her meat sauce she'd make and that kind of stuff and meatloaf. She made this great meatloaf that had this glaze on it. That uh, even when, like, she passed away and my sister tried to make it, she just couldn't. She fucked it up every time. And I'm like, just stop making it. You're ruining the memory. I'm going to start remembering this flavor when I see the – because she got the look right, but she fucked up the flavor. I'm like, just yeah. stop making it. <laughs> Get the memory out of my head. What about you?
1: Oh, man. For me, it's like – I don't know. The thing about – what sucks about COVID is that I miss going to all these festivals, right? I know some of your – appearances have been canceled because of covid right not allowed to travel but i love going to these restaurants where i don't know what's on the menu but i'll I'll order it and the chef will bring it out it's like a a typical plate of whatever region we're in and then it's this amazing meal that can never be recreated because i can't read the menu and i love those experiences where you just eat something locally it's amazing and you just i can't explain it afterwards it just lived at that one moment at that time and then it's gone
2: yeah, that's one of my favorite things about traveling too.
1: Yeah, I'll remember those experiences but can't recreate it. But
2: yeah, and I'm okay And I'm okay with – it's funny because I used to be like such a, a creature of like eating like the same kind of thing over and over again just because it's, it's easier. It's one less decision I have to make today. But when I find out now, even when at home, like I cook every day uh, and I find I, I try to never make the same meal twice because I'm like I already had that meal so one of my favorite things to do when I travel now, probably similar to you is even though I've gone plant-based and I eat completely differently than I did a couple of years ago is I find like the world has, you know, caught up in is kind to people of my ilk and I'll just find places that, you know, are well-reviewed or, or word of mouth. And I kind of just, cause the beautiful thing is now it's like, I, I can pretty much eat everything on their menu. I just kind of show up and I'm like, whatever the special is, whatever, like give me your best thing, your favorite thing you like to make. Don't tell me what it is. Just give it to me. Uh, this is similar to you. Cause it's like, and I'm and I'm okay with having like, cause I used to be terrible. I'd go to a restaurant, I'd find a dish I loved. And I just ordered every time I went to that restaurant. And now as I've gotten older, I make a habit of like always trying something different because I'm like, I know I like that, but I'm like, I want to be open to new opportunities where I know before I wasn't, I was a creature habit. I'm like, I liked it once it was safe. I'll just get the thing that was safe.
1: Well, thank God we get older because otherwise we'd be sitting here talking about the last action hero. Right. Yeah. uh, Glad that (laughs) I'm glad we, as our tastes are like food, our, our palate for film also expands as we get a little bit older
2: that's what it is too. And I find like, I'm, I'm the same way with I think was when I was younger, I'd rewatch the same movies too. Cause I wanted to study them and learn them right now. I'm just like, no, I've seen that. I'll, I'll rewatch a movie from time to time, but more and more, I'm just like, I want to dive back further into stuff that influences the people that influenced me. And once I've been through their canon, I'm like, who influenced them? What's next? Yeah. You know, and pushing further into those boundaries it's kind of where I'm at with that. That said, you brought it up. Uh, this movie versus last action hero. <laughs> oh,
1: definitely this movie for sure. Last action uh,
2: hero. <laughs> you owe your dad a phone call and a really nice Italian meal. I'm
1: gonna give him a call tomorrow and, and say I was wrong and I'm sorry. No,
2: so no. what happened that night? I gotta know. You just like you told me you, you were like a big F you and just he had to watch that movie by himself.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Would it have interest you at fourteen, like to see this drum the slow-paced drama of two brothers cooking?
2: Uh, I don't know, man. I might, I might have got sold on the pasta angle.
1: Yeah, <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, that being said, when you see the film and you see how joyous it is when the restaurant is in full swing with dancers and patrons and everybody smiling, it's, it's just something so. I don't know, vibrant about seeing that joy expressed on on film that makes me smile. And, you know, you have to go through that darkness at the beginning of the movie and and the strife between the brothers beforehand for it to really resonate when they're all, like, dancing and just having this great magical time surrounded by food. So, Yeah.
2: I I can definitely think as a 14-year-old, this isn't necessarily the most appealing movie on the surface. Yeah. Uh, I think my, my son would probably do this movie because he would love the food angle to it. And he'll just watch anything I put in front of him. So yeah. we watched I showed the kids city lights this afternoon.
1: Oh, nice! It was their
2: first time watching uh, a silent film and they loved it. They really, uh, yeah, they really, they really dug it more than I thought they would. I was hoping they'd find certain things amusing, yeah. but afterwards my son wanted to have, we had this whole half hour conversation where he was talking about like, just the film speed they shot at. And he's like, it was faster, right? And I was mm-hmm. like, Yeah. So they shot it at, like they shot it at 18. I think it was the frame speed they use. And so when they play it back, it looks faster than it did. He's like, yeah, "You know what? Those jokes wouldn't work if they were slower." He's like, <laughs> "He knew that, didn't he?" I'm like, "Yeah." I was like, "Actually." And so uh, I think on one of the other discs, on one of the other Criterion's for Chaplin, and it's on. The, if, if for those listening who subscribe to the Criterion Channel, there's a I think a feature on. I want to say it's on the Kid where they actually have a film a story and go into those details about what a master he was and other guys like Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd uh, of knowing like how to perform for like 18 frames a second that was going to be sped up uh, and how and why so many of those silent comedy stars didn't translate to talkies because the jokes had to change um, Mm. because they weren't, as exaggerated and this and that, and Chaplin was one of the few people that, although he was reluctant to do so, once he when he he did somewhat successfully move over to talkies. Anyway, nerd. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> that's
1: all right. Um, yeah, I liked how um, in this film, like it was um, you know, towards the end when they're when they're doing the meal, it's almost laid out like a menu with a title screen. The title mm-hmm. cards that come up on screen and say. La Zuppa, like the, the soup, and then Primi and Secondi, like all the, the tips, things you'd see on a typical Italian menu are reflected in the, uh, in the titling in the film, which I thought was really cool. It felt like a, a menu was being presented to you, and then the food comes out.
2: I would have almost preferred that like, all the way through, as if they were like titling the acts of the movie and, and doing... Uh, I think the only thing that bothers me in this movie that I find is a bit pretentious is mm-hmm. the characters' names is like the idea that somebody named this like them after courses of food. felt a bit,
1: it's I don't know cute. It's not courses of food. It's like the um, the first and the second. Yeah. Born. Yeah. It's like, but who
2: you know, names a child that first?
1: That's actually pretty common in Europe to do that.
2: It's then I, I apologize <laughs> for my ignorance. I'm wrong. Dear viewers who are screaming at me and saying you uncultured fuck, shut up. So, uh, yeah, I'm wrong. I'm nothing bothers me about this movie. It's, it's beautiful and delicious and, uh,
1: racist asshole. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, even the the cooking sequences are are like almost like, uh, action sequences here. They're fast paced and they're cut to music and there's glimpses of color and different techniques. So I like how the cooking sequences were almost as, you know, the, the highlight of the, the film, the most exciting, parts of the uh of the movie well it's the it's kind of the
2: joy of it and and as i've been like getting more confident in the kitchen and that kind of stuff like i get that like there was something about like my wife uh and i were having this conversation every day where she's like i don't understand like why you always pick these meals that take so long to prepare like they just like eat into your day and i'm like i enjoy the process like i enjoy you know, sitting there and cutting up vegetables for half an hour because I know I have knife skills now and I can chop the fuck out of vegetables, and it's and I'm like I I dig it like I like taking 40 minutes to make a meal or an hour to make a meal and then, and that, and there's this step to it now I have to do this step and I'm like and so when I watch a movie like this and I see that respect that's put into the food uh I don't know I I think people that like like to cook know the joy of like the journey. As well as the destination,
1: yeah. Uh, maybe that's what makes uh, filmmakers such great cooks, because we do that in the editing room too. We like to put shots, you know, out of order and then see what they're like in that, how they play out in that respect, and then rearrange them and see how it all, how it affects the audience a different way. Um, I don't know. I think there's so many parallels to, to filmmaking and, and cooking that it's you know this is a natural film for us to to gravitate to.
2: Yeah, and being on set because I think there's, it's funny because I do know filmmakers that are like I hate being on set. I just want to get in the editing room. I hate like they and I'm like oh, but it's like that's where you play. That's where you discover. That's where that's where you gather your materials so that you. It's almost like the the that's when you're at the grocery store, uh, and it's it's almost like to, to to take your metaphor the next step. It's like your uh, you know your script is your meal plan. Like this is what I want to make this week. And then you yeah. go to the market or the grocery store, and you're like, "Fuck, they're out of turnips." Uh, okay, so we don't have turnips anymore. And that's like being on set, where it's just like, "Sorry, this prop didn't show up, or this actor didn't doesn't want to do the line, or whatever." You're like, "Okay, uh, what do I have? What? Can, uh, yeah, okay. So now, 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 the scene's not going to be this anymore. It's not going to be a soup. We're going to turn this into a, a gazpacho. There's no heat, so we'll just it's going to be cold soup, and that's okay. The fishy yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, but that's and that's what being on set is. You're like, okay, I, I didn't, I can't make the meal I wanted to make because I'm missing these elements. But I'm gonna start doing this now. I can now I can gather these things, and then so when you get into the editing room, you're like, okay, what what did I get at the fucking market? What did they have? Oh, shit! What am I gonna do with that?
1: not <laughs> oh, hilarious. Um, what about that heartbreaking moment? Like it's it's 3 a.m. Uh, Louis Prima doesn't show up and then, you know, there's this, these lines of dialogue. He didn't come. It would have helped. Now we have to start all over again. Now we have to begin again. So it's like these brothers have put all their heart and energy into something and no one shows up and then you have to suck it up. So I, I'm sure we've both been in that position where you know, you're at a film, and then one of our films, and no one comes, or the audience is
2: half full, and or or the funding didn't come through, or or whatever it was, and it's just like I don't know. I I think I've always just went okay, what's the next step?
0: Yeah. I
2: just think it's like I think there's, and I think you're one of these guys because you stuck around long enough. You know, you made more than one one flick, and you yeah. keep on going. Like I think it's the people like us that don't think about one big night. Like we think about, you know, I've got like five irons in the fire at all times. And if one doesn't pan out or one slower down, maybe one something else will turn out. Like I always want them all to work out, but it's like, I think I've stopped putting all my, my faith into that one big night because I yeah. think that's just like a fool's romantic. That's a romantic, like young person's view on artistry in the world where you think that, one thing can change everything, and sometimes it does. There are people that have that kind of luck, but I just kind of think that it's just like I don't know. I kind of believe in the process, and I believe in in the journey, and that it's like you know, I, I no matter what the negative experience is, I, what do I learn from that, and how can I take that into the next one and try to do better, try to. Whatever it is, you know, because there's so much. I think also the one thing that I've gotten better at as I've gotten older is this idea of like stopping, stop getting upset about things I can't control, you know, yeah. and, uh, and I've been affirmed. And that's why, you know, I, I crowdfunded so many of my films earlier on because I'm like, I don't want to be at the mercy of a, a funding body or tax credits to decide whether or not they're, I'm going to make my project. I'm like, I'm going to make them cheap enough that all I need is like to raise this amount of money and I don't need somebody else to say yes, you know? And that mm-hmm. was kind of like the tactic I always want. I never wanted to be in a position where somebody else was going to tell me if I could make my next movie.
1: Yeah. I suppose it's that. And then it's like, um, you know, when, you know, if you have like a semi empty theater, but one person like comes up to you and says, that's you know a, a great experience. I mean, in the film, like Isabella Rossellini comes up to, Tony Shalhoub and says, this is the the best meal I'll ever have in my life. And then thanks him for that incredible experience. Like, is that, I don't know. Often I feel like, you know, if, if that, when that happens in, in my situation, that's kind of enough, right. he mm-hmm. will touch one person. And that was the point of that one screening.
2: And, yeah. Um, and it's funny. I had this conversation with, with Jonas too. We were traveling, we went to this one festival and it was one of those situations where we didn't know we were going What kind of festival this was, and it was very similar. I think there was like maybe a dozen. It was a small theater they put us in to begin with, and like I think like twenty people showed up. Uh, but then I kind of like what I I pointed out to him was I said, look, these twenty people could have been doing anything tonight, and they came here. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that means, and I don't know these people. These aren't friends of mine. These are still random people that showed up. They could have went to the other movie or to somewhere else it's like they came here and and yeah it's only 20 people but it's 20 people yeah you know? and that's, that's
1: enough yeah
2: yeah i can't imagine nobody showing up that would suck i think i remember uh ingrid venger told me a story about when uh her film play i want to say it was in berlin and there was one of the screenings there was one person in the audience
1: Oh, my God.
2: And and she kind of, and I think she said that she had, you know, she was obviously a little let down. But then she went, you know what? Uh, there is a Q&A after. I'm going to make that the best Q&A ever for that one person.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's Ingrid. But, but, that's, but that's all you can do. You can only control what you can control. Like, you can't control sometimes that people show up. Like, you can't control how a festival markets films. You know, you can't control the marketing there, your own PR there. It's only going to get you so far if you don't have an audience in that city or that country, you know. So it's really just, you know, and and if you show up in town and you you hit the streets with your flyers, your postcards, whatever you've got, it's like that's all you can do. You can only do what's in your ability to do. And then the rest, you just let it go and you just kind of make the most out of whatever experience it brings you. And I find even that, that 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 was um that festival was this small indie film festival in San San Francisco. And I'd never been to San Francisco before. And and uh and Jonas was leaving the next morning and I wasn't leaving. And I and I I booked a flight for like 36 hours later cuz I'm like I've never been to San Francisco I want to see San Francisco before I go home. And so the next day I had no plans and I literally walked the entire city and just ate and walked and ate and walked. I walked 36,000 steps that day. <laughs> and, and, and that is the city of fucking Hills, man. I walked that. So I was like, I can eat whatever I want today because I'm walking my balls off.
1: Good.
2: And, uh, and it ended up at the Alamo, Alamo draft house. And I'm like, I might never get back to San Francisco again in my life. So I want to see it. I went and saw the full house houses. You know, I did them all. I did all the bucket list shit.
1: Whatever happened to predictability?
2: Yeah. It's, it's on Netflix now. It's uh...
1: (laughs) hilarious. Um, Okay. So you kind of uh, jumped ahead at the beginning about the ending. So I want to talk about that last like three or was it like three or four minute shot of the movie to end it off. And it's like this lingering long take of uh secondo making an omelet before anyone gets there and uh it feels like it's a three to four minute scene of him just cooking an omelet and there's it's silent it's just there's no dialogue it's just and then they, t- they put their arms um, around each other yeah and that's just i i thought there would be this big cathartic uh dialogue between the two to, to wrap everything up in a nice way. Um, but there was, there was nothing. And It just, but the arm around each other and, and, and using food as a, as a bandaid, you know, was, was enough for, for me. I felt emotionally satisfied.
2: That's just a,
1: dialogue. Right.
2: And I mean, they're brothers. I mean, what, what, what a moment like that does. And, and that just shows great restraint by a filmmaker because it would be so easy to write that dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but to know that it's like no, these two guys, all they have to do is touch each other, and it's enough to say I'm sorry. It's enough to say I understand. Because what what the the, the film does is it already gave us that scene where you know we had that scene on the beach where they they have their big fight, right? And then um, Tucci goes back to the restaurant and Ian Holmes there, and he shits on Ian Holmes. He's like you will never get my brother because he is better than you and he's better than this. He's better than all of us. And so you don't need him to say that to his own brother, you know, uh, him making him the omelet and telling him to sit down beside him is all they need. It's like, it it, it can go unspoken because that's what it's like with, I don't know if you ever had a fight with a loved one, whether it's like a sibling or, or your spouse or something and just, kind of sharing space and like just a gentle touch and a look is sometimes all you need to do, uh, to, to start, I'm sure they'll have a bigger conversation later, but at least to like lay down the groundwork for healing. I think that's all you, it's beautiful. It was honest.
1: Um, I finished about, um, 15 minutes before you did. So I just review what, what Ebert said about the film. And he, he ended off his review with, uh, it is said that Tucci began working on Big Night while making a film he hated. So now here is uh, Tucci's labor of love. It's uh, Tucci and Scott's perfect risotto. They include just what is needed and nothing else. Watching it, I reflected on how many Hollywood movies these days seem to come with a side order of spaghetti and meatballs and mashed potatoes. It's a really nice uh, yeah, way to s- summarize um, his appreciation for this film.
2: Well, there's something to be said, and and that that last shot echoes that, like the simplicity where it's like, you know, you don't need to put a hat on a hat. You don't need, like sometimes less is more. Right. And we don't need to to go crazy with things as long as we can get to the heart of something, you know, simplicity is beautiful when, when it's done properly. Right. You don't need a lot. And that, and that, whether that's filmmaking or cooking, it's just like just adding like lemon to a dish can like brighten it right up. You know, roasting vegetable vegetables with a little lemon on it or something like that. It just really makes a, small things make a big difference if you do them properly and with care and with attention and and with kind of like the respect they deserve. That's a great quote. Oh fuck, I love I miss Ebert. Yeah. One of the, one of the few reviewers that actually love movies.
1: Yeah, man, I want to just visit you tomorrow and have you sprinkle salt or pepper on me tomorrow. Right. So just a little bit of spice.
2: I do that to people. So uh, any, any final thoughts on this movie?
1: Um, no, I just, I loved it. Like I said, I loved how it was a kind of a metaphor for what, you know, filmmakers feel like and, and, and putting all that effort into a recipe and sometimes not having people show up, but you know, if one person appreciates the, the, the taste of what you've, um, Put out into the world, then it, it makes it all worth
2: it. To the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world, Sean. Let's
1: let's slowly fade out there. I love ending. Yeah, with that.
2: we'll get we'll get it on that before I fuck it up. Well, thanks <laughs> for joining, man. I love this. This is
1: awesome. Thanks
0: yeah. so much. We'll talk soon. Bye.
1: Let's all go to the.
0: Lobby. Thanks for joining us for Big Night. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on ThatShelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at lonjeremy and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Let's all go to the lobby
1: to get ourselves a treat